Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, we're live, pal. Jose Youngster with MMAfighting.com here for another Friday edition of the A-Side. Now, I know we've gone back to the Wednesdays only, but since there's no fight card this weekend, we get a little bit of a break for the Fight Island chaos starts next weekend. We decided to bring a special Friday episode to fill the gap between fight cards. So, uh, and... I am happy to have him back because if we're going to have a special random last minute episode, of course I'm going to call Brave CF Flyweight and Bantamweight contender Jose Shorty Torres. Welcome back, Shorty. It's been a minute. It has been a while. It's funny because every time you call me, I'm at like a different location. Yeah, right. I was about to say, this is a completely new background since we've last seen you. What's been going on in, in your world? Uh, well, I've changed gyms. And I am now training one-on-one with Dean Thomas in his kitchen, DTMMA, Dean Cyples, whatever you want to call each other. But uh, we're pretty much, if you watch our Instagram videos, it's pretty much in the kitchen, in the garage. His garage literally looks like a kitchen. So um, we just have fun, man. And it's a lot of one-on-one work. And right now I'm about to be 28, entering the prime of my career. And I think I've been traveling and training at some of the best gyms in the world from ATT, Jackson Wing, Dwayne Ludwig, and so many more at Rufus Sport and all that. And it's just like, I know I'm tough. I know what I need to do, but now I feel like I need to mold everything and define everything in whole. And I think uh, Dean Thomas is the one to do it. Now, Dean left uh, ATT a little, like very recently. After he left, was it just a no-brainer? Like wherever Dean goes, I'm going to go. And that's that's pretty much what it was for me. ATT is we've talked about many times. It's a phenomenal gym, but it's like a high school. There's so many people there, and there's so many policies and clicks. And if you don't fit in, you're probably the outcast. Well. Dean was really the only coach to work on me a lot one-on-one. And I really, him and Mikey Rod were my guys. And I believe both have left the gym. But for me, you know, Dean wanted to continue doing his own thing. And Dean was the only person to work with me. I can travel with some of the best fighters in the world. And I know I can hold my own. But I'm only going to get so much better doing the same thing over and over and over. You know, again, I need somebody to tell me what to do. And right now, Dean Thomas is that guy. And so he decided to move to Port St. Lucie. And he was like, man, come live with me and we'll train pretty much twice a day, maybe even three times a day and really try to mold and define you and get you ready for your fight. Anyone else go with you? Dylan Robertson. Well, the crazy mm-hmm. thing is, for what people don't know, is we were going to do a multi-training like training camp where it goes to Dean Thomas and ATT, but they didn't like that. So they're just like, you know what, just just stay with Dean. And we're like, oh. <laughs> okay, so we're now technically kicked out of ATT, but we're with Dean Thomas doing our thing. We're happy, we're having fun, and uh, the good thing again, it's it's a lot of one-on-one work. And when you start to break things down really slowly, you're like, oh man, I've been skipping a lot of steps. <laughs> Is there any uh, plan to get an actual like door, like door front, like gym outside of training in a kitchen? Honestly, I, I don't believe so. One, I like this kind of you know training in the garage type of thing with a legit coach, not just some guy that's like, yeah, I've seen some YouTube videos, here's some pad work and stuff like that. But Dean is an incredibly smart guy, and you know we have a lot of fighters that come up here and work. You know, Hannah Goldie was here last week, uh, Zoila was here the week before, so it's one of those things that we're working with a lot of really really good fighters and just molding them specifically to their style, but also integrating Dean's style as well. And I think it's it's phenomenal. Like when I work stand up, my main training partner is Jillian Robertson. So when I work stand up, that's my you know that's my biggest strength. But then when we work ground. I'm like, oh man, here you go first. I'm just gonna follow what you're gonna do. So it's we're really helping each other out. It's it's been it's honestly been a really really productive time. Well, I'm sure we're going to get a million questions about that and various other happenings in the world of mixed martial arts. But again, of course, joining me is my usual. I don't know where she is on my camera. I'm always mirrored. My usual partner in crime, Alex Savis. Alex, how's life in California? Sunny as always. Can't complain. You know me. <laughs> now, you and Shorty are both Chicago natives. Yeah. Uh, Alex is now in California. City Shorty's in Florida. City of soup. So, Shorty, what's your favorite soup? Oh, man. Uh, God, I'm on the spot. Uh, <laughs> Green Pozole. Green Pozole. 
Oh my god! I didn't was not expecting that answer, but that is a phenomenal answer. Ten out of ten. That's the that is the correct my answer job. going forward. I like how he didn't even question the city of soup thing. Like, have you ever heard somebody say Chicago is the city of soup? I was like, oh, I guess I'm learning something new today. Okay. Yeah. See. Alex, Learn something new every day. You got you, you got the tattoo. Do you have a city of soup and like an old English across your back? Yeah. <laughs> old English city of soup. We'll show it later. We'll show it later. Yeah. Let's keep let's keep the memory related. Yeah. Anyway, Casey, how's life with you? Still up to good in Englewood? Yeah, just good stuff. Um, just good stuff. Yeah. 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 Cool. Going. Going. Well, anyway, of course, this is not our podcast. This is your all podcast. Shorty, I think you are the most tenored guest on the show. I think it's between you and Brian Kelleher at this point uh, in terms of fighters. So you know the drill. You guys can all send in our que- send in your questions on Twitter or on the site or in the YouTube comments because the YouTube comments have gotten a lot more popular uh, lately. So without further ado, Casey, what is our first question? I don't have any crystals. Just want to say that. <laughs> I don't either. Losers. They're all missing out. Right, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go straight to the YouTube questions. Here we go. Straight to the YouTube questions. From Sandy Pham, longtime commenter. Casey, question here. There we go. I'm confused with Kelvin Gaslam's situation. Wasn't he suspended by USADA for nine months and the suspension got cut to four? How is he fighting Hermanson this month? So, Casey, I guess this is a question for you. Oh, no. I, well, I think, no, because they know I read the questions. This is a question for all of us. They just, she was just ah. trying, she was just trying to get my attention. <laughs> I honest well to answer the question, I honest forgot Kelvin even had a USADA suspension. What do you get suspended so, for what? I think it was marijuana, wasn't it? Ah, that's not a real thing. <laughs> anyway. Shorty, as a fellow fighter, what do you make of I guess Kelvin's suspension being cut by five months? Is it is it because I look like little Calvin Gaslam? Is that <laughs> is that why you're asking? Kelvin Gaslam is a handsome man, so that that is a compliment. He's a chunky, handsome man and I like it. <laughs> You know what? Um, I, I think of like the resolution. Yeah, let's just hey, can we just tweet out we have Kelvin Gaslam on the show? Just before. <laughs> baby, baby Kelvin Gaslam. Baby, baby Kelvin. And for all you conspiracy theorists, guys, yes, I am a clone, and we just kind of go from there. Um, now, you know, it, it's crazy that people are still being banned and suspended for marijuana use when it's been so prevalent in MMA. I believe wasn't there a poll saying like sixty percent of fighters or seventy percent of fighters use THC during their training camps? So. Why is it? I think sixty percent, and then forty percent said they're lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Like I even use it just to sleep, you know. So you know, some people use it constantly. Some people use it just to sleep. Some people use it for pain relief. So it depends on you know what you're trying to do, and you know, it's one of those things that look at all the states legalizing it. You know, how are you going to tell us to ban substance when the states are like, yeah, man, you're cool. You can do it every single day, but you can't do it for your fight or your training camp. I, I don't believe it's it's cool. Where, where does Calvin Gaslam train? He trains in California, right? Yeah. Uh, Kings, right? Yeah, Kings. He, yeah, he trains about 30 minutes south of me. Yes. Yeah, so you're telling me he's being banned for stuff he can do in a state every single day. You mm-hmm. know, so I, for me, it doesn't make sense. But um, hopefully, I again, I don't know that he was suspended or it got uh, shortened to a smaller date. But overall, I think it's nonsense that people are getting suspended for marijuana. After looking this up, it says Kelvin Gaslam received a five-month reduction to his sanction after the completion of a drug treatment program, USADA said in a statement. So, yeah, I think Alex, I think Alex's face says it all. Like, was it like rehab? Drug- yeah, right. For, for to- weed? Hey, man, I'm not, not going to try to make. I'm not going to try to make sense of USADA. I'm pretty sure he's relapsing right now as we speak. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm well, I mean, he's going to going to Abu Dhabi. It's not like you like. Going like I've talked to like a lot of fighters are like, man, you can't really bring THC and what have you to Abu Dhabi because all that stuff oh, is that's, yeah, that's, no, 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 is a no go mm-hmm. uh, in that place. So it's going to be about 100 degrees with like 80 percent humidity and you can't use THC. One of the fighters was joking, was like it's pretty much just rehab. You're just sweating it all out of your system for four, for four weeks. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So, yeah. I just like this comment. Any fam just said <laughs> marijuana in giant letters. Are you even a fighter if you're not promoting THC content <laughs> on your Instagram? All right, all right. Next question. So, um, yeah. So, so that was that was the answer, right? It just the. Well, she asked if he was suspended for four months. How's he fighting this month? And I'm assuming it's because it was retroactive, or. I would imagine so, because yeah. his last fight was in New York, so I would imagine it would be retroactive. Yeah. In November. Was it you saw that suspended him or the commission? It says USADA released the statement on the reduction. The reduction, so I would I assume it's USADA. Oh, okay, okay, oh, weird. So wait, USADA so, was, on Monday. So, so it, was, it, was, it was like an. Wait, wait, when did he? So he got suspended for his fight with Till, or is it just like 
just suspended in the middle of camps, like out of competition. This was in May. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam accepted a suspension from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency for his second positive test for marijuana. USADA on Monday announced Gaslam had accepted a nine-month sanction after testing positive for THC metabolites over the maximum limit. THC is the main psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. Gaslam received a five-month reduction to his sanction after the completion of a drug treatment program. USADA said in a statement. His positive test came from in-competition sample collected in November at UFC 244. So it's in-competition. Oh, all right. So it definitely was retroactive. Uh Weird stuff. All right. Next question. The more you know. From KiwiMMANZ on Twitter. Out of all the fights scheduled for Fight Island, which one is the most slept on? I'm thinking Figueredo versus Benavidez hasn't gotten a lot of hype or attention. Do you think Joey B can pull it off? Or does it go the same way as last fight? So I'm, this is a two-part question, Shorty. I'm going to start with you for both of these. Which fight is being slept on? And since this is technically your weight class, we get a vacant flyweight title fight between Figueredo and Benavidez. Does Figueredo pull out the win again, or does Joey B finally get the title? One, I believe the fight doesn't make sense to me, that they're doing it as a rematch. But, uh, again, they really want Joseph Benavidez to win the title. They're really, really banking on him to win the title. I don't know, man. He got dominated that last fight. Again, I'm a very, very big fan of Joseph Benavides. He's one of the reasons why I started the sport. But the way Figueredo performed in that last event, he never got taken down. He was just landing counter shots, and he was attacking the whole time, pressuring. And he was just able to dominate Benavides. I think that knockout, if not dropping him, was going to happen inevitably. I think it's going to happen twice. And, and you know, Figueredo already knows the game plan. He's already confident. But Benavides is the one that has a lot of pressure on his shoulders to come on back and see if he can win the title. What is this? Is this like fifth or fourth title run? You know, At so flyweight, I think it would be his fourth. He, he's 0-2 against DJ. And then technically, figure, since Figueredo missed weight, it was not. It wasn't a title shot. No. Figueredo is still the title holder. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the, the you know the belt is still vacant. So mm-hmm. technically, this is his fourth title run. So we'll we'll see what happens. Hello. Uh, Jillian's like. So <laughs> hi guys. Um, so overall, I, I think Figueredo is going to win it. But what's the fight that's most left on? I don't have the card in front of me. One of the fights I'm most excited for is. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz. I think they're exactly the same size. They're both scrappers. One guy moves. One guy is more of a pressure fighter. But they're both legit on the ground. One's primarily a wrestler. One's a jiu-jitsu guy. So that one is probably, for me, the most exciting fight. And then maybe second will be, even though I feel like this fight shouldn't happen and Marlon should be taking this fight, it should be uh, it's Jan versus Aldo. I think that is a phenomenal fight as well. Wow. So, Alex, do you agree with Shorty on fights being slept on? And what do you make of Joe B versus Figueredo, the rematch? Yeah, I don't think we saw the best of Joe B in that fight. And I really hope that this one, you know, comes out differently. No offense to Figueredo, obviously, but I think everyone knows, like you said, what they're trying to make Joe B the champ. And, and it would just be easier if it, if it worked out that way. Um, as far as fights that are being slept on for Fight Island, I think... Um, the Andrade Nabagunas fight, because it's the, the only one that's not a title fight, you know, under the three big title fights, you know, mm-hmm. people aren't really mentioning it very much, but because Andrade had such a dominant performance in their first matchup, I don't know, I'm kind of really excited no. to see that one. It wasn't a dominant performance. Well, it was a, it was, it was Rose a dom- was winning was until she got spiked on her head. Yeah. It, it was the, horrifying. You remember that first round though? That was like one of the best first rounds I've ever seen Nabagunas fight. Like she was just piecing up on Drage. It was so good. So yeah. She still. Then she got dropped square on her head and lost fair and square. So oh, there's no, no yeah, argument in that. That's a loss. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But. Uh, and then I would imagine if Rose wins, she fights Wei, Wei, uh, Zhang Weili, which I am so excited for if that fight ever happens. Uh, Casey, which fight is being slept on, and what do you make of Joe B versus Figueroa too? Uh, the slept on fight, I uh, absolutely agree. Nami Yunus and um, Andrade. Um, I thought that first fight was. It's it kind of I mean it was a great it was a great stoppage but you know it's just, it's just um, it's MMA you know it's like I mean I never when you have two top competitors fight like two A level fighters I rarely think that MMA is a one for one sport I think it's more like two out of three and like because so many crazy things can happen and um, I think that was you know Andrade slamming Rose in her head I think that was just uh, a t- uh, just a mistake Rose made a very bad mistake but she made a mistake but up until that point, I thought she looked awesome. 
Um, but um, yeah, I'm so looking forward to that fight, and because mostly because I want to see. Actually, if Andrade beats Yami Yunus, I want to see either of them rematch Wei Li. I agree. Because on, even people forget that Andrade, she had to. I mean, maybe Shorty can comment more about this, but like she had to travel from Brazil to Beijing. I think was it in Beijing. It was in somewhere in yeah. China. It's to travel international China, fight at you know, just. I'm probably. I'm sure there's you no know, big weight cut cutting on 115. I'm sure there's lots of let's, factors. Let's that also not forget it. that that fight almost. There were thoughts of that fight not happening because that was in the middle of the protests. And yeah. that was like right across the street. So there was all this like, is this fight even going to happen? So the air of mystery, the travel fighting and as a champion fighting in the contender's backyard. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing it yeah, run back. So, so I think either I think either them winning uh, Andrade or Namajunas, I think I'm just super excited because I want to see both of them fight Whaley. And if it, I, I kind of just as a fan, I want to see Namajunas, um, Whaley, because I think they're the two best straw weights right now. But um, we'll see. And as far as um, Benavidez and uh, Figueredo, yeah, Figueredo, um, man, I'm super looking forward to that rematch. And um, uh, Jose um, Torres, mm-hmm. <laughs> other one, uh, Shorty. Uh, weird. It's what, weird when you call him Jose. Yeah, yeah. I just saw the name. Yeah, oh, sorry, no. Shorty. Um, what do? Because we um, remember Jose. We interviewed uh, Benavidez about mm-hmm. the missed weight, and he was saying he was very upset how he missed so much weight and um he said it gave him a significant advantage what do you feel about guys who have to cut to 125 you no know, and they miss weight by a couple pounds especially for a championship fight um does that how much of an advantage or i don't know what do, what do you think about that i mean it is an advantage because you don't have to in a sense depending on how your weight cut goes and how you handle it you don't have to deteriorate your body all the way down to make 125 and that's why some people are like Screw it! I'll give up twenty percent to to fight at one twenty six or one twenty seven for these title fights, or for you know just missing weight by one or two pounds. But you have some fighters, even like uh, was it, what did Mackenzie Dern miss by by like, like seven not. pounds or something like, like more that? More than I think Almost it was like eight or not. Yeah, dude, that that's a whole weight class, and you don't have to kill yourself down. They're like, ah, here you can take my paycheck. I know that I'm gonna have a strength and possibly even a conditioning advantage because some people don't know how to recover after weigh-ins, and they you know either overdo it and look too bloated the day of the fight. Or they don't rehydrate well enough, and they're just exhausted after the first round. I think uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson's a prime example of that, where he was phenomenal when he cut down to 170, but after the first round, or even after halfway through the first round, that was it. If you can survive that, you were good. You know, so I think even Francis Ngannou has to cut weight to make heavyweight. You know, so for him, after the first round, that's pretty much his style. He's done, and then you have two and three. Hopefully, you can survive the onslaught and make it to that. Uh, for these people who miss weight by one or two pounds, if you're cutting 30 pounds, you still might be tired, but you might not be as tired as cutting all the way down to 25. So I believe it is a significant advantage, and that's why, again, you know, these promotions are like, yeah, you could fight, but we're taking 20% and possibly even more, depending on how much you miss, just to be like, you're getting an advantage that's why we're giving this guy extra money well there's still a lot of since that fight there's been a lot of flyaway contenders that have emerged uh of course you have uh, alex perez who won in las vegas beat formiga and then um just a phenomenal fight that was a phenomenal <laughs> fight the low kicks they had the the assassin baby brandon moreno was out there uh Is, still isn't pantosha did he say he's the replacement that's what he says. So, I don't know I if that's official. He's, 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 he's the alternate, yeah, just yeah. in case. So, like, when I – before, you know, I left ATT, ATT was pretty much like, yeah, he's getting ready for three possible opponents. That's insane. So there's a lot of fun fights that fly away. I don't hate the rematch, especially because I the missed weight, the headbutt, all that stuff. I like the fight as a fight, even if there was no title on the line. I just like that fight. Uh, in terms of fights I think were flying under the radar, I was going to say Carlos Barza and Marina Rodriguez, but that <laughs> fight's not happening anymore. Uh, I am heartbroken because I love watching Marina Rodriguez fight. She's a very violent woman. Uh, and if you look at, like, I, I've, brought, I've brought this up a few times is kind of on that losing streak but she's only lost to champions or title challengers or like Joanna, Weili, Rose uh, she's only lost to people that have either had the belt or uh, fought for the belt and then she lost to Rian Rodriguez so uh, I think that was a good uh, gauge to to see how good marina rodriguez actually was and then she fought cynthia to a draw who's now the number one ranked flyweight in the world after beating jessica I. but that fight's not happening anymore so i'm heartbroken because one of marina rodriguez's uh corners tested positive selfishly i'm very excited for shogun little nog three 
because Lil Naga's retiring after that fight. So it's the last time we'll ever see a Noguera brother lace up the four ounce gloves because of course his old his his other brother uh big nog is retired and then i always done watch shogun fight but that's me anyway thank you for the question whoever that was that was a long answer from all of us well there's a, look at, there's a, lot, a lot of question marks in that question there's a lot of question marks in there <laughs> all right next question uh here we go from kyle fordham on the youtube comments can you guys comment on the impact Abdul Manap Nurmagomedov had on the MMA world. So yes, I was just waiting to 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 touch on this. Uh, this morning, Habib Nurmagomedov, UFC lightweight champion, his father passed away due to COVID-19 complications. Uh, this story has been there's been a lot of it's been going on for a while. Either he was in a coma and then he woke up, but he hadn't recovered. Maybe he had gone back into a coma. Uh, there was a lot of mystery surrounding what was going on. Habib Nurmagomedov, of course, pulled out of his fight against Tony Ferguson after flying back back to Dagestan. Uh, but as of this morning, Habib's father is no is no longer with us. So, Shorty, I'm going to start with you because. Coincidentally enough, you've gone through something like this where uh, Habib's doesn't technically have a fight coming up officially, but the plan supposedly was he was going to fight in September. Uh, his father, of course, passed. You've gone through something similar. So yeah. what is going through Habib's mind right now? Obviously, we don't know exactly, but yeah. from your experience. He's definitely a lot more mentally strong than I am. But, man, you know, my father passed away last October, actually on his birthday, which was horrible. And... It was during my training camp. And for me, I didn't know how to mourn. That was the first real close person to pass away in you know my life. So when he passed away, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna go back home, you know, during my training camp, you know, take care of my father, bury my father, take care of my family, and then just go immediately straight back to training camp. And I ignored all the mourning phases and then eventually it started to catch up to me. And by the time fight we came, I was like, dude, I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm freaking out. Like I need to go home. And I ended up suffering from anxiety and panic attacks. Then after that, you know, it was just lots of depression and finally having to be in the house without him there. You know, all those subtle differences, you're like, damn, he was, you know, you feel his presence, but he's not there. So it's it's a crazy thing for me. It was a lot to go through, and I feel a lot more mentally prepared now to get into a fight. But let's see, October, so November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. We're at nine months now. You know, it, it takes forever. That morning process is horrible, and some people – can can kind of get by after a few months some people take years you know and it just never goes away so i don't know how you know habib is taking it but it is a very very crucial time my father was one of my best friends so i could just imagine for him where his father was literally almost in his life every single day practicing and it's like Vasil Lomachenko almost like his mm -hmm. father's in his corner if his father wasn't there there would be no habib there would be no Hamid Nurmagomedov, you know? So for him and his impact in the MMA world is just huge because you have, and he's created literally the most popular uh, Russian or Dagestani fighter in the world. So you can just imagine that. I think then they just make a, a poll to saying that he's like the most uh, most paid Russian athlete. Yeah. You know, it's it's that's how popular he's become because of his father. And I think honestly solely because, because of his father. So if it wasn't for his guidance, stuff like that, um, he wouldn't be the man he is today. So I can just imagine the impact and the toll it's taken on him right now. So, you know, I respect people paying their condolences and the respects, but I know he's going to take a lot of time to himself. And uh, I hope he does the right things possible for his mental health. Yes, Casey, you were in Abu Dhabi for – Habib's last fight was it was it Abu Dhabi or Saudi Arabia Abu Dhabi Abu Dhabi I keep I always uh yeah the uh, Anthony Joshua Andy Reeves with Saudi Arabia um from everything I've heard from the media and fighters there is when uh Habib's father entered a room everyone it was you felt it uh every single person there pretty much respected this man when he walked and listened to everything he said so uh from when your experience covering his fight with his father right there what was it like Oh, um, well, my, my only kind of up-close experience with him was at the open workouts. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, pretty much when Habib came in, it was like Habib, Habib. But when his father came in, it was this – the crowd didn't go as crazy, but you could tell there was just kind of this aura around him. You know, like, okay, everyone, like, if Habib's father wants to stand over there, everyone kind of move out of the way type of thing. <laughs> and it was one of those things. You know, everyone just knew who he was. And everything, but um, I want to share this tweet from um, the very wonderful um, journalist Kareem Zidane. I was about to bring bring yeah, up that. I'm, tweet, I'm yeah. just gonna throw this on the screen. 
And uh, here, here's, here's what he had to say about him. For those of you just listening, or they listen later on, it says, Kareem Zidane of Bloody Elbow. Uh, apart from being the key to UFC champ Habib Nurmagomedov's success, Abdul Manab also had a long history of using sports to combat extremism in his native Dagestan. His death isn't just a tragic loss for his family, but a devastating blow to an entire generation of Dagestani youth. So to put that also into perspective... Uh, as I try and um, let me confirm this, uh, Habib's teammates, Umar Nurmagomedov, uh, and, I, and I'm not going to try and pronounce uh, his the, the other fighter because I do not want to be that disrespectful by mispronouncing. They've apparently canceled their plans to go to Fight Island solely because of the, the passing of Dulmanov Nurmagomedov. So, uh, uh, yes, his loss is not just the UFC undefeated champion losing his father and coach. This kind of sent ripples through the Dagestani sporting world. Uh, it's I don't think there's anyone in America that we can put that compared to to put it into perspective. Am I wrong? As far as What's up? What, what, I mean, you look at the, the prime example of uh, what was Mike Tyson's head coach back in the day? Oh, what yes, correct. Yes, I forget. You know, so, so you look at that, we're like, even though that wasn't his real father, that was his, you know, his second father, his his guy that he needed and relied on. And then after he passed away, you know, Mike Tyson pretty much became a whole different person. You know, fired people, hired people, did this, did that, and then he wasn't, the, you know, it was never the same Mike Tyson again. So it depends, and that's why I say I really hope Habib does what he needs to do to take care of his mental health because if he just kind of goes, you know, what I'm gonna do, me and. Yo, he might fall like I did. You know, I, I got, I literally was at my fight and I was like, dude, I can't do this. I'm freaking out. You know, everyone's reminding me about this. And it's, it finally, it was just like all that stress coming down, which I feel so bad for my, my opponent because he made weight. I was like, oh man, I'm sorry. But it's, it's, it's extremely a crazy, crazy thing. But, uh, now I hope he takes care of his mental health and goes from there. What do you, what do you think about mental health, Dean? Oh. Hello. <laughs> and we got Dean Thomas here. Uh, what is this? Is this the sound? Yeah, yeah, other ear. Other ear. Why the other ear? Oh, <laughs> I ate a bulb of garlic, so Shorty's gonna be uh, he's gonna be feeling it right now. I really did. Um, what are we talking about? Mental health? Yeah, then talking about Habib's father passing away and how that possibly will take a toll on him. Yeah, that's terrible. You know, that's, that's sad news. You know, my mother passed away in January, so I know how hard that can be to deal with that. So. You know, uh, my thoughts and prayers goes out to, to Habib and his family, and I hope they, they get through that. Um, they, I'm sure they will. But mental health, I think that's an important issue, one that's also very uh, understated in today's game, because especially as men, too, because men are, are supposed to be tough, and we're supposed to forget about it. We're supposed to, oh, just man up, toughen up. And I think that's the worst thing that we can do as men is to say that. And we need to be a little bit more sensitive. And I've taken steps, me personally, to try to be more vulnerable in my own life and do things like that. Like, in my room, I have a coloring book. And I'm not afraid. He does. He <laughs> I have does. a coloring book. So and I, do, I try to do things to, to just make myself a little bit more vulnerable to the world and, and be more peace with not only myself, but everybody else. It's a character coloring book. Just want to state that. I think we're seeing that trend right now because uh, Anthony Pettis brought up that he's now seeing a, a, a therapist and a mental coach, and he said that his entire career he just worked on the physical tools, and it wasn't until his last fight that he really started to work on his mental tools. Dracar Close was the same way. Uh, John Jones once compared uh, his brothers are he they can go the NFL players uh, Arthur and Chandler can go to the their coaches and be like coach I need I need a therapist and the NFL team will just get him a therapist and John Joe says I don't have that in MMA I'm supposed to be tough so I think Dean and uh, Shorty are right on uh, right on it where this is going to be a new trend in MMA of male uh, male fighters uh, maybe being more open with their feelings and thoughts I, I ended up getting the mental coach shout out Andy Murphy but. I got a mental coach, but it wasn't because of my father. It's because Dean beats me and calls me dummy every day. That really? is true. That is true. I got to take out my frustration somehow. <laughs> I don't have a dog, so like, I got a short hair. <laughs> Casey, anything else you want to add? Or Alex? I was just going to say, like, it's going to be particularly tough, I think, because he's obviously going to you know, kind of go off the grid for a while. We're probably not going to hear from him until September rolls around when this fight is supposed to be happening. And then obviously the media questions are going to start. He's going to get asked about it a lot. And that's when I think all that's going to sort of resurface. So you don't, even if now he feels like he's going to be fine by September, you really don't know. That's going to be a very good point because 
one of my earliest memories as a child is the death of Michael Jordan's father. And I feel like every time a microphone was put in Michael Jordan's face, that was the first question. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that's like as a professional athlete. And um, I just want to point out, too, this is also just another wake-up call, unfortunately, for the new reality that we're in about the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, I know everyone feels invincible. You know, we're young and healthy, but if you get it, you pass it on. And um, that's, a, that's a serious issue. So, um, you know. Sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> Can you so hear that? Sorry, there's a there's land, landscapers are here. You, you yeah. hear that? <laughs> We're good, man. Speaking okay. of, I'm glad you reminded me. Shorty, get out there and cut the grass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a fun question. Perry versus Masvidal for the BMF title. Yeah. Alex likes it. <laughs> D Shorty, what do you think of a Mike Perry versus Jorge Masvidal fight for the quote unquote BMF title? We're trying to get Mike Perry to come here, by the way. Just want to say that. I was about, yeah, we, I was going to use that to leave. Yeah. I know Mike Perry wants to come to South Florida. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that would be an interesting fight, but I don't think Mike Perry's ready for a guy like Masvidal right now. Masvidal is just, he's too seasoned. He's too good. And he's he's somehow reached his prime past 35. So I don't know how he's done that, but he just, he's in, the, he's in his prime right now. He's, he's too good for Mike right now. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to agree with that. I think Masvidal's at where he needs to be. But Mike Perry has the best corner in the world. So, you know, it's it's one of those things undefeated, you never – Undefeated corner. Coach. Undefeated. You can't say that. You can't say that, Mr. Thomas. Undefeated corner. Yeah, I was – I was. Telling, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, shots fired. I know. Yeah, I'm, these are, these are statistics. Kid. I'm just saying. They're numbers. I'm not – I'm not, Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah. I'm not – It's true. Hey, technically, I'm 0-1 when yeah. it comes to coaching because Julie, when I went, she lost. I was like, oh, great. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh. also an undefeated MMA coach, by the way. There you go. Um, yeah, I would say – I would say Mike Perry needs to come down here and he needs to bring his wife slash coach so then now we can have two professional coaches in the house. There you <laughs> go. Two different views. Yeah, Alex, like he you, calls me dummy. I need hey, you're doing a great job. Just bring what did Mike Perry said? Bring me the bucket and look pretty. That's what he said. That's what you say too, Shorty. <laughs> yeah, I said it all the time. Bring me the bucket. Alex, what are your thoughts on this? You seemed kind of excited when I mentioned it. You know me. I just you know, I'm a reality TV junkie. I love the drama. I'm into it. I yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not. If it I, happens, I think this, I think this be is what the BMF title is supposed to be about. I don't think it's supposed to be about yeah, rankings. It's just, just throw it out there and see what happens, you know? <laughs> I think Dean and I are going to make our own reality show coming very, very soon. We're literally going to have a camera crew here. It's, yeah. It's going to be very bad. That's it's going to ruin a lot of our careers. I don't even think it's going to help us. <laughs> Dean, I asked Shorty this at the beginning. Was there any plans to have, like, an actual physical gym outside of tr working in your house? No. Um, I mean, I have access to the, all the gyms that I need, you know, like for sure. whatever reason, like everybody's been so uh, welcoming towards me and so open their arms, so open for me that I can take my guys anywhere I want and we can get a workout in almost anytime we want. So I don't want a real place. I just, I want to, I like being in the garage. I like waking up and then just w walking in the garage and, and getting it done because at the end of the day, it's all information and you can study anywhere and we're mm -hmm. just doing it right here. Well, there you go. Actually, I have a question um, for Mr. T uh, Dean Thomas. You mentioned how uh, Masvidal kind of hit his prime. At how old is Masvidal? He's 35, 36? Something I think like he's that. 36. 36. Something like that. But, you know, he, he, hit a, he hit his fighting prime. How, how important is experience in MMA? Because it just seems like when these like young guns come in at you know, age 20, age 22, you know, outside the John Jones, they, they – you know, they, they hit walls, like Aaron Pico. You know, no matter how talented he is, he just didn't have that experience. So how important for you as a coach is just 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 fighting all the time for years and years and years? Well, you got to understand this, is that um, in terms of, like, physicality, it's not much – people aren't much different. Like, people are, you know, especially when you talk about weight classes, like, they're about the same speed. They punch about the same, you know, with the same force. They're about the same. But what it comes down to is making mistakes. So offensively, you can be really good. But if you make a lot of mistakes, you're going to lose. And you're going to end up like Aaron Pico because he's just making mistakes. 
But as a veteran, you turn, you, you tend to learn not to make those mistakes. You don't make the same mistakes. So that's when experience comes in. It's not like based on a skill set. It's a matter of making mistakes and eliminating the mistakes that you make. So experienced fighters don't make a lot of mistakes. You know, they may not be sometimes as scrappy or as wild and, and strong looking as younger fighters, but they don't make a lot of mistakes. And Masvidal doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't make... Masvidal would have never got caught in an arm bar by Donald Cerrone. You know what I'm saying? He just doesn't make those mistakes. Awesome. Yeah, I've, I, I, I've tend to agree with that. My, from my experience is training and watching MMA. is like MMA seems to be... The, yeah, the winning and losing is like the first guy who makes a mistake, really. I mean, just um, yeah. first guy. Like, and we were talking about Rose, um, Nami Yunus versus Andrade, the first matchup, and Rose made a mistake, and she lost the fight, even though I felt that Rose was the better fighter. But if you make a mistake, that's the fight. But you got to look, but, but how many fights does Rose have at the end of the day? Like, yeah. I mean, she's at the top of her game, but she doesn't have 40 fights. She's not, you know, Jim Miller. She's got, what, 11 fights or something, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. She doesn't have a lot of fights. I mean, mm -hmm. I, had 11, I, had, I had that many fights in, before the turn of the century. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so it's, she doesn't have a lot of fights. She doesn't have a lot of experience. Well, I think we saw something like that play out when Alex Caceres fought Chase Hooper. Alex Caceres has more fights in the UFC than Chase Hooper has years on this planet. Uh, and I think yeah. it, <laughs> I think Sarah has like 21 total fights, and Chase Hooper was 20 years old. Just this is second well, ever, that, second third fight. I knew that was a bad matchup for Chase Hooper because I saw what Alex Caceres did to Cole Miller, and essentially, Cole Miller and Chase Hooper aren't much different in terms mm -hmm. stylistically of fighters. And I saw what Alex did to, to Cole Miller, and I was like, man, I don't I don't trust Chase Hooper in this in this case. And damn, was I right? <laughs> Roxanne modifier Macy Barber also uh, comes to mind. Uh, Dean, I don't know if you know, but Roxanne, who has apparently the first fu female fighter on the UFC roster to fight three different decades, was a plus 1,000 underdog against Macy Barber, who I think had 10 total fights. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another that's another good example. And, you know, you can say what you want about that, but, like, even before Macy's knee was uh, hurt, like, she was getting beat oh. up. You know, I think, yeah, after up. after the first two minutes, I thought we, yeah. I think we saw how that fight was going to go. Yeah. And, I, and honestly, I, I I got sold on Macy, too, like because I saw what Macy did to, to my fighter, Jill, and I was like, yeah, Macy's going to beat her. But then, when that, like you said, that first two minutes and she's getting punched, I'm like, like, oh, my God. <laughs> but that's experience. Like, you mm -hmm. know, she, did, she wasn't nervous. She didn't uh, overestimate Macy Barber. She didn't believe the hype. And she just said, you know what? You, you come into my world. I've been doing this since you were a, a kid. <laughs> me and Roxanne was born in the same hospital, by the way. I always tell her. Really? <laughs> yeah, we were. Wilmington, Delaware. Wow. Wow. First yeah. date. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't seen, I haven't seen all of Macy's fights. I know how she, you know, her, you know, like when she was one and two and zero. But like, I wonder if that was her first time she's really experienced, um, just, uh, uh, just being on the losing end. Like she's losing rounds. She's like, I wonder if she's ever like lost, you know, uh, had adversity during a fight, and like, you know. That, to me, that really tests a fighter too. You know, you may be the better fighter, but once you have to feel that adversity, how do you, you know, how do you show up? No, Macy. Macy's had adversity before. When she fought JJ Aldrich, JJ was putting them hands oh, on okay. her. Yeah, I think JJ I think JJ won that first round. Yeah, and um, Mallory Martin actually was able to get her down a few times and give her some some problems, and, which and like she was able to bounce back from that. I think. You know, because of her like her mentality towards fighting and her her aggression, she just like I don't think she really realized that she was losing, and she was just like ah, I don't care, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock you out anyway, and she was able to come back from that. But um, against Roxanne, she she couldn't get out that hole. Roxanne put her in a hole she couldn't get out of. Awesome, thank you for your answer, sir. Uh... <laughs> I love having special guests yeah. from the seaside on Twitter. Do fighters benefit from training with a camp where some where some are several weight classes above them. Shorty and Dean, I'm sure you, I know you guys have more experience <laughs> training than me. Uh, is it beneficial for fighters to train with fighters so much bigger than them? Answer that, man. Shorty should answer that first because oh, no. he, there's never anybody his size. That's what I was going to say, Shorty. Everyone's bigger than you. I mean, my last, like, legit sparring partner was Edson Barboza, mm -hmm. you know, so, and this was before he made the featherweight limit of 145, so he was technically a lightweight, 
you know, and a vicious lightweight. So they're like, hey, uh, come on, spar with uh, Barboza. You're going to be, you know, Dan Ige. And I was like, damn. That was that was actually the first person I was actually kind of, like, trembling to go in the cage with. The only problem was my fight got canceled. So I'm like, all right, cool, let me indulge. And after the, you know, the whole first day of spawn, I was like, dude, let's, let's take a picture. I'm a huge fan. Out of nowhere, he takes off his shirt, and he's just ripped at 160. And I'm 160, but look like Nacho Libre, you know? <laughs> so I'm just standing there, and I'm like, oh, man, why you got to you gotta take off your shirt? Coach, somebody, somebody come stand with us. And then, like, the coach stood in the middle, and I said on the other side, I'm like, all right, cool, it kind of breaks off a little bit. But um, I prefer, you know, training with bigger guys because it does teach me a little, a, a little different. When I go with guys at 25 and around my size, I feel uh, a little strong. I feel like... I'm the bigger guy, even though I'm, I'm possibly shorter at times because of my pressure counterfighting style. I just walk them down. But when I go against 35ers, legit 45ers, I'm like, okay, cool. These guys can crack too. I might be able to push them back, but if I don't do the right things possible, I'm going to get popped in the face. Like I would spar with, you know, flyweights and I'm like, I could take their shots. So I'm going to do whatever. I don't really care because I know I can muscle out of it. But when I face guys at a 35 or even at 45, that's in Barboza, I'm just like, I can't implement the same game plan, and that might happen in an actual fight where I'm getting beat up. Man, now I have to go and adapt because if I don't adapt, the same thing like when I fought Alex Perez, I'm just going to get knocked out. So it's one of those things that I have to learn in a fight, and if I can't do that, it's not going to go my way. Well, I'm going to tell you like this. Y'all know my background. I've been doing this since the mid-'90s, and I'm old school, so I don't even really believe in weight classes, mm -hmm. really. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm training with Greg tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, before before Brett Rogers went to jail, I had like ran like three of his camps before that, and I was his only sparring partner. You know, so like Brett, I, Brett Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we bring up Brett Rogers. Nice. I like this. <laughs> I was like, I Dan had me working with him, and I was his only sparring partner. So I don't. I I always believe in this. And whoever's in front of you, you got to deal with it. All male, female, you got to deal with it. And that's just my philosophy because if you can't deal with it, you start making excuses. You teach yourself to be a punk and you teach yourself to make excuses for losing. So deal with it. I don't care how big they are. Learn to deal with it. Find a way to deal with it. You got to find a, something to do to deal with it. So I don't really believe in, in, you know, saying, oh, you can't train with people that are bigger than you. You can't make excuses. You got to find a way to deal with it. What about full contact sparring? Because I've heard, like, Brian Stan would spar with Roy Nelson, and he said, if I should never have done that, it probably shortened my career. Well, you got to well, learn how to use your speed. Yeah, it, it also depends on the person. If you got a guy, like a heavyweight, just randomly cracking you, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe I shouldn't spar with them. But, you know, you're being a fair game, and they know that, all right, if they're bigger, man, this little guy's fast. I have to, you know, pick my shots and time them well. So it helps them when it comes to the speed and timing. And for me, I have to learn that, I can't stand in front and bang these guys, so I have to keep on moving my head, and if I stand in front of them, it's not a, not going to go in my favor. So no sparring with Curtis Blades anytime soon. No, oh, dude, I, I beat him up. It's, it's, <laughs> I need somebody big. Guys, it was a lot of fun. Oh. I got to run now. I hate to have hijacked y'all's show, but no, I got to run. Stay blessed. I love y'all. Thank Bye, you. Guys. Go to the grocery store. And there goes legendary coach Dean Thomas. <laughs> He's so... Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, Alex, your boyfriend trains, right? Or does jujitsu? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the uh, biggest person you've seen him grapple? I haven't ever seen him. Oh I've, never, I've never been. Wow. But he's he's very. I know his philosophy on this, and he's very adamant because he's got a friend that we call Tiny, who's very much not tiny. He's like 300 okay. pounds of just pure muscle, and they bicker all the time about who can, you know, is it going to be pure brute strength versus the the the, the technical aspects of it, and obviously PJ thinks that he can i hope he can't hear me but yeah <laughs> casey who's the biggest person you've ever trained with uh well one of my main tra uh train partners uh before uh, a pandemic kind of screwed everything up but yeah he weighed about uh former wrestler a solid 225 230 and i actually nice. i actually loved getting my ass kicked by him in a sense on the ground because when I didn't want to get one against people my own size, I felt like, ooh, I'm so fast and strong. <laughs> like, so like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like, like I actually like, especially for training, I like getting beat, beaten up because I feel like if, if it's, if I'm not, I'm not learning anything. I guess mm -hmm. does that make sense. And, and then, that no, sense? and that's definitely the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, if you're, 
and I get it. Like some people need to literally be the alpha male practice. That's fine. You can be a leader. You can do whatever, but you never want to be the best in the team. I know yeah. that sounds contradictory, but you do never want to be the best in the team because what are you learning? You need to get beat up. And that's why I say if you're better than all the guys your size, bump up and just keep on having fun. And that was one of the things, even when I did with my Titan run, I was like, all right, well, I'm the best flyweight. I've already knocked out and defended my belt. Well, let me just bump up and do something different. And the fights were harder, but I had to adapt and come from adversity for both those fights. So it's, uh, yeah, if you're not, if you're not struggling in practice, you're not learning. Well, I think a lot of people that were complaining that Felicia Spencer losing to Amanda Nunes stifled her career growth. She's only had two losses and who has she lost to? Yeah. Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. So it's not like she's going in there and just losing to people she, outside of the two greatest both fighters. Of them. Yeah. It's Thanks. not like she's going in there and losing to people that aren't the two greatest fighters who have ever lived or female fighters that have ever lived. Cool. All right. You think you can answer that question? We got, yeah. Sure hope so. I've never trained with someone heavier than me. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been the same size. Oh, I mean, yeah, I actually like, yeah, I really, um, yeah, like actually when I go, when, I, when I'm the, when I'm the bigger fighter, I feel like I'm, I don't mind doing it, but I feel like I'm helping them, but I'm not getting yeah. as much out of it. But, um, when I trained, it was always just technical and, um, like, like punch placement and footwork and stuff. It was never like, I'm just going to go out there and clang and bang. Anyway, <laughs> any other questions? I'm sure we do. Oh, yeah. All right, another one from nine one six Sam H X R R I S. I'm not even trying to pronounce those what letters. What is your favorite fight from Fight Island? I personally like the Ige Cater and even more Ozdemir versus uh, how do you Prohaska? Right? I think I'm gonna go with that one, Prohaska. So favorite fight? We've kind of talked about this. We talked about under the radar. So Alex, I'll start with you this time. What's your favorite fight from every single Fight Island card? Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. And why? why I, that's going to be a fun fight. I mean, they've already been like back and forth on social media, and I love the hype up. So I'm, I'm excited for that one. I love it. I actually forgot. Like, in terms that's of fights, under the radar I, fight. I haven't even. That is an under the radar fight because yeah. yeah. of course we have the three title fights, and then uh, everyone's talking about the 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 fourth title fight, and then Ige uh, Cater kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like we even talked like Whitaker and. Till have been supposed they've been scheduled to fight for a long time now and I just kind of forgot about it so yeah, yeah you're not wrong it's a good fight uh Shorty what's your favorite fight island fight so the one coming up for me is the Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway I think that was a war the very first time they went and just to be able to being the short guy I, you know, I'm going for Alex but the way he was able to move his head and, and go for those cast shots and try to change Max Holloway's game is it's very hard to do. Max Holloway's easily, easily the greatest featherweight of all time. The way he's been able to literally dominate the entire division and Jose Aldo twice, which before that had the the you know the crown. It's it, it's a great great fight. So I want to see how Alex and I'm literally going to take notes in the fight of how he moves his head, how he manipulates the length, how he does his movement because just getting on the inside of Max Holloway, who does not stop striking and that conditioning level is just at the top. I'm, that's I think that's probably one of my favorite fights in the card. Casey, what's your favorite fight from Fight Island cards? Even though it's, a, it's not the fight I want to see, because um, obviously I wanted to see Usman Masvidal, but I'm really interested in Usman um, Burns. I just, um, I just, um, on paper, Usman, sh Usman should win, but man, I just, I don't know how good Gilbert Burns is, and we're going to find out. Obviously, he's an A-level, A-level, A-level fighter at welterweight, um, man, but all of a sudden, if Gilbert Burns is the UFC champ at Welterweight, I was like, wow, I just, it's just something you couldn't imagine a year and a half ago or a year ago, even six months and, ago, you know? And Usman's now training with Trevor Whitman and Justin Gaethje, so this is going to be a whole new corner in his camp. So, yeah, I'm, that is a super fascinating fight. I'm very, it's, I don't, it's, it has no title implications, but I'm very excited for Verdum Gustafson at heavyweight. That was my second one. I was about to mention that. Just <laughs> Gustafson like... returning from retirement to fight former heavyweight champion Fabrizio Verdum. And that makes me all kinds of excited. Retirement. I have, yeah, no, right. I have no, just because I have no idea what's going to happen. It's like, eh, we'll see. Retirement doesn't exist in MMA. <laughs> That's a joke. Henry Cejudo's, it's uh, only a matter of time before he comes back. Well, that one, that one, he actually might be retired unless he gets the money fight. I actually don't see him coming back. He did the same exact thing when he won his gold medal. He's like, all right, cool, later, well, I'm done. And he's so Hudo did come back and try to make the next Olympic team and didn't. Mm -hmm. 
So he like, he like, he came back for like a qualifying and didn't qualify or another. So he did try to come back a few years later. And I think he just took way too much time off after winning the gold medal. He just wasn't the same fighter. I don't know. Uh, but I hope he gets his money fight because I don't want Henry Cejudo not to fight anymore. I love watching him fight. <laughs> in the background. Didn't go to WWE or some wrestling promotion. AEW, man. That's yeah, where he's, 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 AEW guy. Come on, he's already in an AEW ring with Mike Tyson and Rashad Evans. Yeah, right? That sentence just doesn't make any sense. All right. uh... (laughs) MMAZ, have you seen Max with hair? I assume this is Max Holloway. So your guys' thoughts on quarantine hair, Max Holloway? Thumbs up. Thumbs up? Oh, I love it. Have Have you seen this, Jordy? I approve of it because I was growing my hair out, too. And that was literally because of the quarantine. Like, you know, man, I don't even care anymore. Let's just, let's just put it out there. Um, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> he should keep it. <laughs> Everything I've heard from my female followers that he should keep his hair and they can't believe Dustin Poirier ever shaved his head uh, in his early careers. Every time they fight, that's people are always mentioning that on Twitter. Anyway, yes, we've seen him. <laughs> yes, we've seen him. <laughs> Great question. Thank you. All right, hold on. Let me find him. Look at the comments real quick. Give me good questions. Um, who does um, Wiley fight fight next? I think that's obvious. Uh, I don't know who. Yeah, who do you think that? Man, I right, to me it has to be want... the winner of um, Nominus uh, Andrade, right? Yeah, but I want to speak Tatiana Suarez into existence. I don't think she's ready to fight, but I want to see that fight so badly. I think Tatiana Suarez is the best strawweight in the world. Is there an update on her status? I have not seen anything. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good get if someone starts a podcast soon. <laughs> that would be an amazing <laughs> guess. You can ask her directly. Huh. Uh, yeah, I want Tatiana Suarez saying so badly. But What was Tatiana's uh, last fight? It was UFC 238 Against who? a year ago. Chicago. Against who, though? Nina. Nina? That was the, if whoever won was supposedly going to get the next title shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Nina was on that big win streak. She had just beaten Claudia, and then she was fighting Tatiana, and then Tatiana won. But it wasn't as dominant, because she had the hurt neck. Yeah. Still, I think she easily won that fight, but it just wasn't the Tatiana everyone was expecting. Mm. All right. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think Tatiana gets a title shot. I would like her to fight one more fight. Um, yeah, just to kind of get her name value back up because I, I agree. Just, yeah, I think it's one. I think it's more of a business thing. I think Andrade Namunas. Uh, well, if you follow this man on Instagram or oh, Twitter, no, this you, I'm sorry, we lost you for a bit, Jose. Can you repeat the question? Me? Yeah, yeah, your, your audio was just gone for a second. Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, well, now. Uh, sorry, I don't know if you follow this guy, but if you if you don't, you should find him on Instagram. He makes some pretty phenomenal uh, fan art. I think Izzy Adesanya uh, wears a lot of his merch, uh, so he makes. Oh, this is the guy. Some, yeah. Oh wow. This okay. is the one that made Israel, in our sit down interview. Israel yeah. Adesanya is wearing a Spider Man shirt, uh, and Jay Romero uh, is the one that made that art. So if you're looking for art on a T shirt. Hit him up. Uh, with NZ New Zealand seemingly eradicating COVID-19, I hope the U.S. is paying attention. If you're Dana, do you book Adesanya versus Costa with a full crowd in New Zealand, assuming Costa can get in, or stick to no crowds for 2020 to stay consistent? It seems like the Apex Island and New Zealand are viable options. We've had this com- question before, and Alex actually brought up a good point where uh, New Zealand's holding big events, but those are basically New Zealand like team sports with people that are already in New Zealand. And the crowd is in New Zealand. I can't imagine they want to bring Paulo Costa from Brazil, uh, a country that is having a huge spike in positive tests, going to my to New Zealand for a fight. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I would imagine this is another Apex fight or maybe another Abu Dhabi fight, right, guys? I'll start with Shorty. I agree with that. You know, it's one of those things that's like you're you're completely free. Why bring people in from other countries that possibly might have it? Mm-hmm. You know, I know they're doing the tests beforehand before they even fly out but still it's just one of those safety things that just in case uh worse comes worse let's let's keep everyone out let's keep everyone safe and new zealand obviously got the job done they got it right the first time and uh u.s where you at but um 
oh man, we're so horrible at this. But uh, it's just one of those things that, yeah, keep keep everyone out in New Zealand. You guys do you be your own world for probably the rest of 2020, and then uh, we'll see if we're all still alive after. <laughs> Did you guys see that photo Dan Hooker shared of him and his daughter yeah. in New Zealand? That was a bummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, socially it's horrible. Distance for two weeks. Yeah, not only Hooker, but Hooker, Eugene Behrman, and all of his other training partners that traveled traveled to the states with him too. So, and that may, talk about a sacrifice too for his training partners too. Like at yeah. least Hooker gets the the glory and the satisfaction of having a fight and a paycheck. Those guys just came for the trip, you know. <laughs> That's city kick, city kickboxing. Is, that's a reason why they're the best gym in the world right yeah. now. One of the best gyms in the world right now. But um, to answer uh, Mr. Romero's question, I think there's a zero chance that New Zealand would be an option for Dana, but it's not an option for New Zealand. There's no way they're right. going to let a bunch of Americans and Brazilians into the country. And not only that, th- th- think about it too. These guys are high-level professional athletes who are cutting weight. They would have to go to a hotel and be locked quarantine for two weeks and then get out and then start training, you know, I guess for the fight. So I'm sure like you can't train really like you need for a fight while you're quarantined in a, in a, in a government run hotel. So I just think that's just, just not going to happen, but it's it's a nice thought. (laughs) It's a nice thought. Yeah. And just, just to show you how strict New Zealand is. um, I can't find the article I read yesterday, but the uh, prime minister basically fired one of their head health officials there because two, a British citizen was allowed in New Zealand and, and, and basically brought over, got two cases. Two people Jesus. got COVID from this British citizen. Two. <laughs> like, and he's like, you're fired. It's like, that's how, that's how serious they are over there. My God. Um, Any more? Uh, I know we started a little late, so we can probably go a little later, but hey, not uh, if there's no questions. Let me see. Let me look online. It's like, don't leave me. <laughs> Who's late? Who was late? <laughs> Baby, I can change. <laughs> Sorry, wrong, wrong episode, my bad. Who will TJ's next opponent be when he comes back in 2021? I doubt they will do a trilogy with Cody unless one of them is champ from Sandy Fam. Um, Why do we doubt that? I, I don't think they're gonna do that trilogy fight after back two and zero knockouts. Dominic Cruz. <laughs> Dominic Cruz. I think I think it's awesome. Dominic Cruz is at that. You know he's close, but he's not quite there yet. And TJ was already there, and you know he's coming back obviously from his you know allegations. He's there. You know, so it's one of those things that I think that fight just is fan entertaining. It makes sense for both of their careers, and uh, it's just really really fun to watch. Alex, who do you want TJ to fight first? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Sugar Sean in there. I mean, I like that fight so much. I, who knows if Sugar Sean's gonna be ready by then? I love that fight as a fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's so far away. I mean, who's gonna be injured? Who's gonna be ready? It's, you never know. Yeah, because we have a lot of fights. We of course we have the title fight. Aljo's supposedly gonna be next in line after that. We got Frank. I've been waiting for Frankie Edgar Dominic Cruz for years, so I want to see that fight. I know Marlon called out Dominic Cruz and Cody. Mm, so yeah, I like the cruise fight. I also, I'm not gonna say no to Marlon Moraes versus T.J. Tillishaw either. Uh, Bantamweight division absolutely rules right now. So Casey, what about you? I'm, I mean, I mean, I like the cruise fight, but I'm not against Cody versus T.J. Three. If Cody can really, all right, let's 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 fight a clean. You know, if Cody really sells it, if he really wants that fight, if he really wants to, you know, because okay, you were, you know, on your on your special medicines for your first two fights, you know, but. I'm going to beat you up, you know, as a clean fighter. So uh, I'm not against that. But I think TJ's got a lot of, a lot, there's a lot of opponents lined up for mm-hmm. TJ right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think when 2021 rolls around, what what part of 2021 do you know? Ja- it, isn't it January 2021 oh, because that, his last fight he lost was. Uh, yeah, that's when he lost. Uh, his first ESPN Udo. card. Yeah, so. So about six months. Yeah, so. Also, this just in, according to Aaron Bronstedter of TSN, Glory Kickboxing filed for bankruptcy. Oh. That's a huge bummer. I just need to see Rico Verhoeven versus Badahari without the shenanigans at the end. But that will never happen in glory now. I think we're good, guys. And so that's a wrap on questions. Pretty much. So, 
This has been the MMA Fighting A-Side Live Chat, Friday edition. Shorty, you know the drill. You've done this a million times. The floor is yours for whatever you want to say about whatever you want to say. Hans, where are you at? I'm still looking for that sponsorship. Monster, I miss you. Dude, I spent like $20 a week on them. Come on, Hans, I need you. Um, And then, let's see, I definitely need a crystal. That's for sure. Uh, Please, that'd be great. Let me make my demands now. I'll send my contract later today. Um, Let's see. But no, man, I, I appreciate all the support, guys. That's why we say we can. We will together. We are Team Shorty. I have my foundation, TeamShorty.com, Team Shorty Foundation, where all the merchandise on my website goes to help kids, teens, and young adults stay inside the gym and off the streets, especially during this pandemic, just to be able to and survive overall and being able to train at home with the right gear and merchandise. Finally, it's changed my life, and I'm hoping it changes a lot of other people's as well. Um, follow me on Jose Shorty Torres and IG, Shorty Torres MMA on Twitter and Facebook. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much about it. I, I appreciate it, guys. And uh, DTMMA, yeah. <laughs> that's a man who knows how to cut a promo. Casey, anything you want to say? Nah, everyone just have fun this weekend. Be safe. Stay inside. Don't get around too many people. Just, you know, your little close circle. And um, don't be dumb and be safe. That's all. Alex, I saved you for the end. I saved you for the end because you. I always start with you and you always say no. Now you have no excuse. What do you got to say? Well, I don't, I don't have my own foundation, so I'll just re- reiterate teamshorty.com. Great cause. Oh, Love it. Uh, <laughs> since we have two Chicago natives on this show, City where's, of the place, where's the best place to get deep dish pizza? <laughs> oh, okay. Mm, it's either, well, Pequod's. That's great. my answer. Pequod's, Lumel Nadi's. And then if you've never been to Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinders, it's not like traditional Chicago deep dish, but it is phenomenal. It's unlike anything you've ever had. I haven't been to Pequod yet, but Luminati's is my thing. Giordano's is good, but it, it's like the McDonald's of... Uh, yeah. You're going to eat it, but there's definitely better out there. So sure. Luminati's for me, but Pequod's, Pequod's hit me up. I, I can take a sponsorship too. I'll try it out. There's a, Lum- there's a Luminati's that just opened up right up the street from me in Phoenix the day this pandemic's like this pandemic started. So I cannot imagine people are lining up the door for deep dish pizza right now in 110 degree weather. But I hope it survives by the winter and after this. Jessica Crystal Crew says, I'll see if the Crystal Store is back open. Uh, so there you go. Shorty. You might get some crystals. New gym, new shorty, new crystals. But of course, this has been Jose. That's been Shorty Torres. I know he's going to be back at some point because he's, of course, the most tenored between him and Brian Keller. It's always back and forth. And E. Casey Lydon in Englewood still up to good with the second best mustache in MMA according to Mike Heck and then my partner in crime Alex Savis I don't I think I got her she's over here yeah, but we'll see you next Wednesday uh, for UFC 251 fight week oh wow you're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network